This is episode two of March again. We are the Marching In podcast dedicated to Saints FC pod. On today's episode, we review the Newcastle game. Feels like a while ago now, but we look at, at that game in depth. We do a kind of review of our number 10 position and look at some data around the output from the options we've got there. We preview our games against West Ham and Man City. We basically just say we're going to lose against City. Not much for a preview. And we do part two of our best Saints eleven since promotion. Episode two of Marching In. We are at Marching In Pod on Twitter, and as ever, joined by my wonderful co-host Sam Appleton. How are you doing, Sam? Yeah, not bad, mate. Good to be here. Enjoying the international break, and uh, looking forward to getting back into the game against the game on Saturday. Yeah, it feels um, feels it feels a bit bizarre. I think these early international breaks where you get right into the swing of Premier League action and then gets pulled away from you right but uh yeah it's been a um, nice little break enjoying the weather you watched the cricket today yeah it was uh i mean i i think hopefully saints performance is a bit better than england's batting but uh, <laughs> what yeah, what was, was just, the state was... of play of uh, i'm not up to date where are we at with it oh they lost <laughs> they yeah. lost it's, it's all was over it, was it yeah. six for four at one point yeah they lost six wickets for four runs jeez Right then, Samuel, I guess it's been a couple of weeks since we, we played New, Newcastle. It feels like that long, but yeah, only uh, seven or eight days or so. We will be debriefing that game. We will look at a few things around that. So I guess, yeah, what was not a bad performance, I want to look at the number 10 position. Um, given we've got Elianusi, who's come into the fold again, look at comparing him to the current options we've got in that role. We'll chat the international break. Any Saints talking points there, I guess, makes sense to note some Saints players in action. And then we'll preview our upcoming games against City and firstly West Ham coming on on Saturday. And then, yeah, we've got the part two of our best Saints eleven since promotion. You've got your midfield and attack down. I, I have got some of it down, but I'm just going to see where the heart takes me on those last minute decisions. I mean, I think I have. I looked at it again today and I'm, I'm in an iron about the striker, but we'll have to see see what I get to by the, the pod. I'll have to make a decision in my head as we go along. Carrillo, right? Yes, yes. That, that's, it's him, either him or um, or Shane Long. <laughs> Shane Long's got COVID. Poor guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Keeps him away like, from, from our lineup a little bit longer. He's, yeah. I mean, hopefully he's okay, but... He's not okay enough to be on the bench <laughs> on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, uh, we wish you well, Shane, but you know, not too well. Uh, lovely stuff. So, 2-2 against Newcastle. I'll let you kind of summarise this. We've, um, we've both refreshed the, the, the game a little bit, our minds with a few highlights. But how did you feel we, uh, we went about this one, Sam? It was just a bit of a roller coaster, wasn't it? I mean... It was almost a classic performance by us at St James's Park. I remember a couple of years ago we played up there and managed to lose in the last ten minutes after going ahead. We just dominated the ball, especially first half. We we just had so much of the ball without really, I mean, getting in behind too much. Obviously, Gineppo, I'm sure, as as you said before, we'll get onto him in terms of. I mean, he just missed so many. I mean, two unbelievable chances, especially the first one. I mean, you just you, professional footballers cannot miss that chance. And then the second one as well, he's just got to get a shot off. But yeah, we just dominated him. I mean, I think I think when you look at us against Newcastle, from up until the the attack, I think we're probably a better team than they are. I think our midfield is probably better. Defence, I mean, I look at, I look at their defence, I think it's just there to be got at. I mean, obviously ours is as well, but I don't think theirs is any better than ours. But then you, the big worry when you play against Newcastle is they've got two very, very clinical and very, very dangerous strikers in, in, in Callum Wilson and Alan Maximum. And, I mean, Sir Maximum's caused us massive problems in the past, especially, I mean, at St Mary's 18 months ago. He's just one of those players who we just don't do well against. I, mean, I think I covered it in the last pod. He's just 
quick. He's got a low centre of gravity, and he just he just doesn't give the defenders a second. And it sort of just happened as as you'd expect. Really, we just got caught a couple of times, and yeah, it was almost the inevitable defeat. Then <laughs> obviously VAR intervened in the last minute. <laughs> yeah, we did look we did look vulnerable, didn't we, in those transitions and it seemed like for all our domination that it was relatively easy to pin at least both the centre-backs back with Wilson and Saint-Maximin doing quite a lot of damage and Saint-Maximin is a hell of a player right and I think when when fit and when on it just causes most offences problems but he does seem to have a bit of a field day against us and I mean look I don't want to point to the fact that firstly I called the 2-2 draw and that Wilson would would bag Uh, but it just felt kind of inevitable that we would concede even though I just felt looking at that first half and yeah watching the game we we were in so much control we we were getting into really good areas I think KWP did a really good job at coming in from that left hand side I touched on it pre-game on Twitter that I felt that that gave us a really nice balance. But yeah, it did seem like that kind of crushing, I think there's a scene of JWP where he sort of nearly gets there in the last minute to clear off the line and just pretty deflated. And we've seen it so many times where we concede late or kind of a, a you know a well in the game only to, to throw it away. But then, as you say, VAR intervenes and it was a definite pen. I think you, you see that the same way that I would, right? Yeah, I mean, it was just it was just a stonewall penalty. I mean, I can see, I mean, I'm not normally one to back referees up sometimes, but you can see how how he missed it. It was just sort of a bit of a scramble. Redman played a nice ball through, but then it looked, almost looked like Lascelles got the ball in first view. Yeah, in real time, it looked like a really good tackle, I thought. Um, yeah, but... You see the replay. It's just it, it was, he had no other option. He had to he had to give us a pen, give us a penalty. Because yeah. actually Armstrong's literally about to side foot that. You know, not necessarily in, but it's a hell of a chance for someone like that. So you would assume that, you know, yeah, something's happened. Either a really good tackle, or he's completely fucked it. Which you know, clearly from the replay, he, he had a, and then JWP steps up. Um, you probably wouldn't want anyone else from our our squad taking that, would you? No, I'm not really sure on how Armstrong is on penalties just yet. I don't, don't know if he took him for Blackburn last season or not. But um, he missed a few, I think. I think he missed three last season. I read somewhere for, for Blackburn. Um, Warprow seems to have sorted his penalty taken out a little bit. He goes hard and low a lot more now. Whereas I remember the, he missed a he missed a couple the last the season before last, where he was going at quite a nice height for the goalkeeper. I mean, even the one that. Came back to him at Arsenal a couple of years ago. It was just a very nice height for the goalkeeper. And mm. then he went for the other extreme against Everton last year when he hit the bar. But no, the hard and low ones against Leicester and then against Newcastle. Just seems, yeah. Yeah, I, I much prefer penalties like that. I mean, the amount of times you see, saw Lambert do that and the keeper goes the right way, we just put too much power on it. It just seems to be... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Even... Much prefer those. I actually reflected on JWP's penalty after seeing Kane's uh, last night, wasn't it? Um, and, and Kane seems to be doing that very similarly like that really low hard penalty and actually you've reminded me of JWP's penalty misses did he miss one late on against West Brom a game that we were so bad in last last season we got absolutely oh, bad yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah I do remember that yeah yeah no I think um yeah just just classic and then the becoming a bit of a like a iconic celebration as well his 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 customary golf swing something to do with his son right his son always reminds him to to do the celebration have you have you seen that yeah he said his son really likes golf or something i mean he's, yeah I how old is his son, son? yeah his exactly son, yeah, yeah 40 year old son um yeah that's uh no it was a it was obviously a good moment and it sort of felt quite unsaints to uh have something like that happen we we never win or equalise late and it did no. feel feel quite nice for that to happen. It's normally exactly the other way around, isn't it? Where I back us to go and get a late goal and then go and concede straight away, but so it's nice for the shoot to be on the other foot for once. Yeah, yeah. Any any standout performances across the across the ninety? I know Ralph came out and said that Redmond 
effectively changed the game. I know he had two very pivotal moments, including the cross for Elianusi and then that pass, which creates the penalty. But yeah, kind of more broadly across the eleven, any any players that particularly stood out. I mean, I was impressed with Salisu. I thought he 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 played well. He he looked quite commanding. But then there's also the moments where he got caught. He got caught for the for Wilson's header. Got caught on his toes a little bit. I mean, he had a good game, but not a perfect game. But he he does. I mean, he's got all the attributes to be a really good defender. But in terms of in terms of the defence, I do worry a little, a little bit as it's two goals a game we're conceding, and it just can't. We're not going to. We're not going to stay up if we can see two goals a game. So that that needs to be nipped in the bud quite soon. Um, I thought the midfield struggled a little bit, especially in the first. I thought Romeo and Walprouse were quite struggled to get into the game quite a bit. But I actually I've, think just on Romeo very quickly, he probably had one of his worst games. I think I've seen him in a Saint shirt for a while. Right, we we've spoken a bit about him being that sort of problem solver, getting out of tight areas knowing kind of yeah what's around him I just really felt like something was was up his touch and actually his touch in quite pivotal areas where the ball just ran away from him or there was a simple pass on to play it and he'd take one too many touches that was what caught us out in transition because once you bypass I guess Romeo in this case or or, or War Prowse and they're leaving two quite high with Livermento and KWB pushed well on. That's when we got caught quite a lot. And I watched the game back thinking, yeah, Romeo had a real tough time of it. Yeah, I think playing devil's advocate for Romeo, I'd probably say in the second half when he did go off. I mean, you bring on Dial. I think Diallo's probably, I think we look a lot more open when, he's, when he plays midfield with Wall Prouts. Mm-hmm. And then Sir Maximum's goal, I just don't understand what we're doing. It's just... The game's the game's one one. You mean you take the point away from home? You take the point, and we've got players flood. The Diardo's flooding forward, and our last player back ended up being Wall Prowse. So we were just so open. It was just yeah. It's Diallo, isn't it? That I think finds himself out on the right wing. Yeah. For that yeah. and 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 plays what is quite a poor cross in field, and yeah, that is. I mean, you probably wouldn't ever expect to see Romeo out out there and I think yeah I've, I've seen a few people who kind of were reporting on the game I think it was Seb Stafford Bloor who does stuff for the Athletic who just said you cannot be conceding a goal like that in the 90th minute um, we left ourselves so exposed and I guess that kind of counters your your point on the plaudits for Salisu I think we've really got a good centre back on our hands there has all of the core components to to be a very good centre-half in, in the Premier League for me. I think there are moments when maybe he looks a little um, kind of relaxed in terms of his intensity to either win the ball or he, we saw it against Everton with the kind of fuck-up between him and McCarthy for the goal. There's some moments, I think, that he maybe needs to get that concentration 100% there. But when he does, yeah, kind of eventually get to the ball or shrug someone off it or... Yeah, um, you know, do the right thing defensively. He just looks so so good. Yeah, he does. I mean, it, it took it took him a long time to get into the team, but he has impressed me. He's also got the pace as well to, that helps him. Stevens, I'm not sure whether Stevens is the right foil for him. I just find not. In, I think Stevens he's very good on the ball, Stevens, but I just think in terms of quality and awareness, it's lacking sometimes. I mean, he has. I mean, we discussed it before. He has three or four really good games where you think this this guy's cracked it. He's finally a Premier League defender, and then then the fifth game or the sixth game, he's back to his old his old habits. So I mean, I'm not really sure what's happened to Bednarek. I thought I mean he's basically played every single game. I mean, I'm not I'm, never, I'm not his biggest fan, Bednarek, but I just find it odd that he's played every single game nearly for Ralph since Ralph's arrived at the club, and now he's just can't get in the side at all. And also we have Leandro to come in as well. It'll be interesting to see how he gets on. I mean, I wouldn't expect to see him maybe until the Sheffield United Cup game, but it'd be, it'd be handy if he could come in and make an impact. Yeah, yeah. I think Stevens is someone who I ultimately thought would always be that backup centre-back in that, you know, I, I, I like the guy. He, he does offer quite a lot and clearly well-liked. And I saw a clip of him talking about his relationship with Nathan Teller and them getting along like clearly there's there's more 
to um, a kind of wider squad than just what happens on the pitch. And I think Stevens is part of that. And that's what he feels like for me. <laughs> because I, mean, I probably sort of hate myself for saying that, given all the things I've just said. I don't think he's a Premier League centre-half. <laughs> and and I, I, I've seen glimpses as of you um, but I, I just don't think the player has progressed enough to, to be deemed the startable centre-back in the Premier League. And, and that's my gut feel, whereas I don't really like that I'm saying that. Yeah, I know what you mean. And he's not, he's not young anymore. He's, what, 26, 27. He's not, yeah. he's not a young player anymore. You can't be saying, oh, he's, he's still learning, he's still doing this, still doing that. Yeah, he's done, he's done very well out of the Virgil van Dijk injury against Leicester back in 2017. The fact he had to come into the side at the last minute for the for the Liverpool second leg. And really, I mean, he's not just got a career out of that for Saints, but it's definitely certainly played a part in terms of he was all of a sudden, all of a sudden thrust into a team that was doing pretty doing pretty well in the league and had had a solid base in front of him. So mm-hmm. and yeah, here he is now what 5 years later and still uh played over 100 games for us which you never would have guessed that when he was on loan at Middlesbrough playing at right back yeah yeah no no I yeah it's um it's interesting actually there was a picture doing the rounds I don't know if you saw this of a Coventry team did you see this from when Adam Armstrong was there and Jack Stevens is also there oh was he there in my mind yeah he was there at the time it was the most bizarre picture I um I saw it on Twitter it had like Joe Cole went there for like six months. It was a final really? club I think he played for, or maybe before he went somewhere overseas. And yeah, Jacob Murphy was there, John Fleck, and Jack Stevens popped up. He was on loan from us at the time, but Armstrong was also playing just a bizarre team photo that cropped up. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I think, um, I think yeah, I, I would like to think that, that Jack Stevens can, can progress and become the centre-back that we maybe thought he, he could have been, as you say, since as early as kind of 2016, 2017. But ultimately, I think that Bednarek probably will win that place back unless Stevens has continual good games. Um, I I don't know. I think the Bednarek one is, is a relatively interesting one. And I think we touched on this before, but Liancho seems to be that, that left-sided centre-back. So we probably have two players competing for both spots in terms of Salisu, the Ancho left side and the other two right side. Do we want to move into the the kind of number, number 10 positions? Because, yeah, I've done a little bit of, of analysis looking at some data around the yeah. output yeah. of our, our number 10s um, over the last two to three seasons. But... I guess to kind of kick things off, we had El Yanusi coming in to to the team and also sort of feels a bit like a new signing given he played, I think in his first season for us, he played, I've got it here, about 790 minutes. So just didn't really play that much, right, for us in that first yeah. season. Was then moved on to Celtic, but he's back in the fold now. How did you feel he, he got on? It's a funny one, El Yanusi, because I don't, really see what his attributes are in terms of I don't see how he's not quick and he, I don't see him beating players but he seems to be he obviously gets himself into the right, in the right positions as, as he did against Newcastle to score but no I'm still I'm still not I'm still not solving him I still think he's going to drop into that much of a much as number 10 position <laughs> we're going to get onto. Yeah, we very much are. I reckon I'm I'm gonna to attempt to make a bit of a case for El Yanisi throughout throughout the next sort of five five, ten minutes. Maybe we'll see how your feelings across the day that I, I would, present to you. I would say, I mean, he's he scored what five he scored four goals in his last two games for Saints and I mean I'd look at Redmond, Gianapo, Teller. I mean I don't think even did anyone score that many goals last season in total? Redmond might have got close. Well, yeah, mate, I'm going to go through through that, actually. And I guess we'll, we'll kind of go through them one, one by one. And I'll, I'll ask for your thoughts on this. And I, I think why I wanted to do this segment. So this is our, our segment where we'll look specifically at the, the number 10 positions and the options there is after Gineppo misses an open goal and <laughs> a bit of a sitter, you know, in, in, the, in the first half of that game. And then Redmond comes on, affects things, but also El Yanusi 
gets a go, I thought it'd be wise to kind of look at this because I think it's been a problem area for us in terms of output for some time. We'll start with Gineppo. So in the 1920 season, he only played 928 minutes, but scored two goals, two assists across that time. So output, not great at all, basically. So he had the equivalent of kind of, you know, 10-ish full 90 minutes, but only two goals, two assists. Per 90, his output in terms of goals and assists per 90 was 0.39, which actually isn't kind of horrific. And we'll go on to what is worse (laughs) in a minute. Um, But then last season, he played more minutes, so 1,240 minutes, but only registered one goal and zero assists. So his per 90 output in terms of goals or assists was 0.07. So it felt like, and I don't know if you'd feel the same, but he just he's regressed right and he hasn't shown those glimpses of of quality that we thought we were getting with the player yeah i mean well when he when he came on for his came on at brighton a couple of years ago and scored scored that goal and the one at sheffield united you thought wow what a player we've got here he's going to be a star star for us in the future and then his, his whole season his first season seemed a bit stop start and then he got his he got his red card against newcastle which is the last game before covid so obviously he had to wait, then wait three games after the restart to even be involved. I think he had a couple of injuries. He just never seemed to never seemed to get back into any sort of form. And no, he's just he's a very frustrating player. And also, he's quite. I know he chases back. Ralph obviously plays him because he likes the fact he chases back and helps his fullback. But I just think sometimes he's a red card waiting to happen. He gets silly yellow cards, and also he needs to stop diving as well. He got he did a, he got booked for diving against Newcastle. Which yeah, is, he tried he tried it once. Referee was like, right, no more. Did another one later on, and because he the position he plays, he's he's going to get going to get himself sent off again, and just fine. Sometimes he can be a bit of a liability. Yeah, yeah, no, I'd agree, and I mean, I think I, I touched on it on Twitter, but. Both chances he didn't take in that first half, I think, is indicative of a player that needs to get far more aggressive in those areas and less aggressive in areas like you're touching on, right? You know, poor tackles. And and that clearly isn't his game. I think he burst onto the standard age with kind of the the promise of that really exciting winger. And Ralph's moulding him into maybe something a a little bit different. We'll, we'll, We'll move on to Nathan Redmond, who, who I guess, yeah, played his part on, on last Saturday against Newcastle. But I think we we spoke about this in terms of that first season under Ralph. We felt like he, we were getting somewhere with him. And I maybe in terms of performances and things that are outside of the data, perhaps, but in terms of that data, in the 18-19 season, he played 3,270 minutes, which is a lot of minutes, really, for um, you know a forward player. The benchmark, if you play all 38 games, as JWP does, as has done across the last two years, is 3,420 minutes. So he really didn't miss a lot of Premier League football, Redmond. He only scored six goals and, and registered four assists in that time. And his output per game, so per 90 across goals and assists, was 0.28, which, again, just speaks to someone that doesn't deliver that that kind of end product. If we move into the seasons beyond that, so nineteen twenty, he registered four goals, four assists in about nearly two thousand eight hundred minutes. Zero point two six goal plus assists registered per ninety, and then it's exactly the same for last year in terms of that zero point two six figure. So last year was two goals, three assists, but exactly the same kind of output per per ninety zero point two six, and we we kind of touched on it I think when we first spoke around this number 10 position and being much of a muchness I think you've used that phrase quite wisely here they very much are like all of the players in terms of what they deliver you know you, you want those attacking players to be creating in terms of goals and assists in, in my mind like we we have to think about those, those numbers I've got some further data on expected assists etc but for, for me, it's just not good enough. And Redmond was, yeah, I guess, yeah, got praise from Ralph after the game. But he's just someone that has proved so frustrating since his move to us and, and continues to do so. Like, I guess, maybe asking you the question about Redmond specifically, where do you see him fitting in? Do you see him as a starter from, you know, for, for Ralph this season? Do you think he, 
he will be that kind of bit part player or impact player he was on like, against Newcastle. Yeah, he's had a very funny Saints career, Redmond. I mean, Rouse. I mean, Rouse not first full season. His first when he joined in December. He, even when under Mark Hughes that season, he was our best player by far. And then when Ralph came in, he he went sort of went up to another level and started really affecting games and playing really well. And at the end of that season, you thought right. He's cracked it. We've got a really exciting player there. I think he picked up an injury quite early the following season, and just he's never since then he's just never come back and been being consistent. I mean, he's very rarely been been a consistent player for us, apart from that one season. And he's such a frustrating player to watch. I mean, the amount of times he's isolated a fullback, and you're thinking, run at him, just beat him. You, you got the pace. You got you got enough skill to beat this guy. Even I mean, he's not even a, not even a good fullback. He, he just. He stops and the whole game just slows down and the defence gets back into shape and then the attack's basically over. And it just... He he always shows glimpses. I mean, very, he, can, he can just come in and play. But like, I mean, case in point, the Bournemouth... I know it was against the Championship side last season, but he, he came, turned up at the Bournemouth quarter-final last season and was the best player on the pitch. But then again, you look at it and think, was it because it's against the Championship team? So yeah, I just he's found his level. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I look at it so often. Think he's found his level. Like, I mean, Newcastle, that their defense is probably as is, is close to a championship defense as you're going to get yeah. in the Premier League. And he came on, made an impact. Fair play to him. Really, really well played. Really good cross, and a nice little ball through to Armstrong. But you just know, whoever you throw in out of them lot, they're going to come in and pl- maybe play well for a game, maybe play well for a second game, but then it's just going to go back to. Back to type, really. I just, yeah, I don't see Redmond as a starter, and, I, and I, it's got to the point now where I wonder whether he can be moved on, maybe next summer. Yeah, it just seems like a great shame, right? With with someone like Nathan Redmond, and I hate to go all Pep Guardiola on this, who who very much seems <laughs> to see his talent, uh, but you, you can tell there's hell of a player in there I saw the goal that he scored against Palace away doing the rounds I think from two seasons ago now oh yeah yeah just like those sort of glimpses where he uses body really well gets in between players beats a man and then you know he he has got a bit of a ping on him I think he he went through a phase of maybe shooting a bit too often or trying to do a bit too much but yeah it's just been a, a really frustrating Saints career as you've touched on and I really wouldn't be surprised if he moves on. I know he, he gets stick from the Saints fan. Probably no kind of, um, yeah, not necessarily no love loss there. But I don't think that Saints fans would be too disappointed to move him on. But you just hope that somewhere along, I guess, his his, his career from here on in, he does find some consistency or, or, yeah, I guess some regular output, which these numbers clearly show he hasn't. I'm going to touch on Armstrong and I guess I'm kind of, touch on Armstrong in a sense that there is so much that comes from Stuart's game that is very uh, kind of uh, important to us as a team that probably doesn't bear out in terms of goals and assists because his game is is, is quite different to that. He's probably the sort of assisting the assister or um, yeah, making that driving run forward that opens up a team. But in 1920 uh, season, he played uh, 1,700 minutes, registered five goals, three assists. Those five goals actually came from an XG of 2.9, so showing that yeah, he has got a strike on him. I think he scored some some really decent goals from us. So, another, one at, yeah. another one at Palace, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Same game, same game yeah. exactly, yeah. I'm thinking also about a strike that didn't actually go in, but I don't know if you remember his, his strike against Leicester last season that cannoned off the crossbar. We were, oh, yeah. Away. Yeah, yeah we, we were kind of... We had a really good first half. We're sort of feeling our way back into the game at one nil down, and he just absolutely spanks it. But yeah, so he's kind of he's that sort of person that would overperform his xG because he scores from goals where you probably wouldn't expect others to. But again, five goals, three assists, much for muchness. Last season, four goals, five assists in a lot more minutes. So he played nearly two thousand eight hundred minutes. But his output um, across those per ninety was only zero point one three. And again, I'm kind of touching on Armstrong without us wanting to go into loads of depth because. I think we, we, we're both aligned in the view that probably when fit, one of our most important players. Would would you kind of agree with that, Sam? I feel like we're both in the Stuart Armstrong fan club. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that. I mean, big fan of Stuart Armstrong. I mean, 
my friend who's a Scotland fan is doesn't is a, doesn't rate him. He says he never never turns up for the national side. I just can't believe it. I think he's it's definitely he's he's the only number ten I look at. I think he has to play. I think it's Stuart Armstrong a and a another. I think it's just he's he's just so important for the way he carries the ball, the way he presses, and obviously he's not doesn't score as much as we'd like, but he does. He's a bit more of an output than the other guys, and yeah, I think he's just so important for the way we play. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. No, I don't think we need to kind of labour the point. We we both like Armstrong a lot, a lot, and I know many Saints fans do. Um, and I think, yeah, kind of worrying, I guess, not to have seen him in the first few games, but clearly struggling a little bit through through injury. Um, I guess if he was that first name across those number ten positions, I'm going to attempt to make a case for Elianusi to be the the second name within there, which feels a bit bizarre, and it feels like is this really what we want to be doing the season is 21-22 and we're literally persisting with <laughs> Mohamed El Yanusi and I think similar to you I didn't really know what his attributes were and I've, I've actually I comment on this on, on Twitter but I saw a f- clip of his game against Latvia for for the national team for, for Norway the other night and seems like he is a bit of a different player to the one he was in that first year at Saints and it seemed like things like his decision-making qualities around when to play the ball, when to run with it, are improving. And I think that bears out in the numbers. And the context here is that he was playing in, in Scotland, right? So uh, please, yeah. please kind of forgive me. But I've looked at both his years um, at, at Celtic. And his output, I won't go into specifics, but his output per 90. So we were looking at numbers around you know, 0.2, 0.3 for our other number 10s. His output for goals and assists per 90 in his first year at Celtic was 0.87. And then his output per 90 last year, when he played a lot more minutes, so nearly 1,800 minutes, was 0.71. So he scored 10 goals, 4 assists. And again, I'll, I'll layer in the context of him, it being the Scottish Premier League. But I, I personally feel like we could have a really good other option in, in El Yanusi. And I think he's come back with a point to prove. I've seen quotes from him saying that I wanted to prove I could do it in the Premier League. Whether he can keep up the, the kind of consistency he's shown across the two starts he's had, of course, it's an unknown when you're taking a player that just hasn't delivered. And I mean, I must fucking admit, that first season for Saints, he looked really poor. <laughs> I remember being at games where I'd be with, you know, families, mates, whatever, and I'd just be like, geez, please, can we get this guy off? Or please, can we not give him the ball? He looked so poor. And I think you probably felt the same. Yeah, I remember going to Wolves away in his first season. And I'm like, he, t- he took a corner. and It was the worst corner I've ever seen. He, like... <laughs> Just went across the went across the floor. I think either either went straight out for a goal kick or he rolled straight through to Rui Patricio. And I'm just like, what is going on? I mean, he's clearly got a bit of talent now, and fair play to him. He's come back, like you said, with a point to prove. And he's earned the right. He's earned the right to start. He come in. He scored a hat trick. Doesn't matter who it's against. He scored a hat trick in the in the cup. It's against a League Two opposition, but. He's earned the right to start, and yeah, I mean, his goal, his goal was Newcastle. I mean, he did his best to miss it, but he's got, he's got on the score sheet again, so he's probably such a weird, such a weird little goal, wasn't it? Like, yeah, I it mean, rebounds, when, like when, he's in the goal. Yeah, <laughs> he like it comes off his knee or something. When it went in, I thought, oh god, he's handballed it or something like that. No, <laughs> yeah, it was, same. It was, it was really, I, it was really odd. I thought that, but no, he's definitely yeah. I, I would definitely start him against West Ham at the weekend. I mean. He's he's in form and also, I mean, he's not got a bad strike partner as he for the national team, so he's not not a bad player to learn from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I guess we can kind of pivot into the the international fixtures now. And and El Yanusi for for me, um, probably does start against West Ham, but it's a case of who who plays alongside him, right? And and for me, it would probably be Redmond. If Armstrong isn't fit, and do, do you yeah. know any of the latest on Armstrong? Is he he's still nursing an injury? I haven't right? anything. I mean, he's not been in any, in, in any of the um, training pictures, which is a bit of a worry. You wonder whether he's still got another couple of weeks to go, but we we'll have to find out when Ralph does his presser on uh, on Thursday. But it doesn't look too promising for the weekend. <coughs> so, um, I mean, as much as I think Redmond will start, then you look at back and think you'd probably go with Gineppo again. 
Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I think Alan Lewis will start. Yeah, yeah. I think he will. Okay, nice one, Sam. Good discussion on that. I tried to add a little bit of depth to us saying, look, much for muchness, and really, yeah, much yeah. for muchness sums it up. Um, so maybe the depth wasn't needed. Just to quickly touch on Theo, who's kind of played in and out of that position last season. 20 starts, three goals, three assists per 90, 0.33 goal assist contribution. So in terms of output, I mean, look, it's pretty much what we've got elsewhere and doesn't uh, yeah, excite me too much. I think just for a point of comparison, and I was thinking about players in the Premier League who who might be kind of play similar roles to, to those players. And I, I picked a few at kind of mid-tier Premier League clubs and they included players like um, Jared Bowen, who obviously playing for a team who you might consider in the kind of, yeah, maybe the, the, the top tier now for, for West Ham, maybe not. Um, Rafinha, Pedro Neto, those kind of attacking wide players. And again, their goal and assist contribution per 90 and again, maybe a smaller sample size for some of them across one season is kind of 0.5, close to 0.6 in Rafinha's case. So very decent numbers, about double the output that our wide players typically produce. And of course, we're, we're probably not competing in terms of transfer fees or wage structures with Leeds, right? So I understand that we can't maybe attract that colour of player, but you have to be wanting more from, from those number 10 positions in, in my mind. We will... Take a very short little break there. So we're going to quickly touch on the internationals. We didn't have loads of Saints in action here. I actually saw... I don't know if you saw this news that Musa Gineppo missed a penalty for Mali. Oh, so he's um, he's sticking to his current form then, which is good. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't you know, I don't quite know why, given both the numbers we've just discussed and his general technique at striking a ball. As we saw on Saturday, he's taking a pen. Um, but yeah, he he missed a pen. We did have a couple just, of goals. Need to send the Mali. Need to send the Mali manager your data, mate. Then he might. Then he might not I know. I know. I'll, um, I'll I'll send him the pod. Um, yeah. Whoever the Mali manager might be, we'll um, we'll boost our, our listener count maybe um, through through some following in Mali. Uh, we did have a couple of goal scorers though, so yeah, Broja once he got his feet sorted out scored quite a decent decent goal for Albania. Yeah, he looks a player, doesn't he? I mean, I know he's, like I said like I said earlier about Elianuzi, but his goals against Newport were pretty impressive. And I mean, his second one was really like a really impressive finish getting out of his feet and. From from what he looks, he looks like he's a really good option to come off the bench, and I mean, I, I think he could be pushing for the pushing to start in the first team soon. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I think it's just nice to have that other option, right? When we, it feels like we haven't had that other striking option, someone that is clearly, you know, decent uh, in the air. He seems strong. Seems to have quite a lot about his game. And I think actually for Elianusi's goal against Newcastle, he was occupying the centre-back where probably we don't have someone that's even going for, for that ball in, in you know normal times. It's not really Adams or in the past, Ings's or obviously Armstrong's game to be strong in the air. So I think, yeah, he does offer that option. Elianusi did bag for Norway as well. I don't know if you saw his goal, but take him really nicely. Um, and then I guess... Kind of makes sense to quickly touch on the the England situation. No Saints players in the squad. We do have Liveramento at under twenty one, um, yeah, uh, level who may well play tomorrow. I think we've our, our game was postponed the under twenty one game, I believe, and and the first fixture that he could feature in is tomorrow. But even against Newcastle, just a touch on him seems to just be be growing in stature, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, very. I mean. Not sure what more we can add to it. Really, he's just a very impressive young talent, isn't he? And yeah, I mean, yeah. to keep to keep Walker Peters out as a left back, he's one of our most consistent players last season. Is test testament to how he's coming and done well. Yeah. And I think just the call up to under twenty ones very quickly vindicates his his decision. I think um, you know he's clearly highly rated at Chelsea and may well have got the call up, but probably start for England under twenty ones now and to be involved in that setup. But yeah, I, I think is a is a kind of clear sign that we we've offered a good pathway for him, and 
we've also added Thierry Small, who couldn't really see that pathway at Everton, who who seems an equally exciting young prospect at, at left back as well. What um, are your thoughts on um, on Will Prowse being left out of the England squad? Bit of a strange one, I think. I mean, I'm not like. I saw people saying, oh, you know, we're starting Trent in midfield. Why are we not? Like, you know, Trent is an absolute world-class footballer and could probably easily play in midfield. It didn't really work out, I think, yesterday, the Trent in midfield thing. Um, but but don't compare those two players, right? Then they're, they're, not, they're not the same. Um, and, and Trent has a lot of qualities that, that Will Prowse doesn't. I personally think he should be in the squad. He, he probably shouldn't be um, you know, a starter for us. But we, we do have, I think, really good qualities in defensive midfield at England level. And now with the likes of, yeah, Bellingham and, and others further forward like Mount, it's going to be hard for him to get into that, that 11. But I feel like he should be a, an England squad player given his output. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it must be quite tough for him. The fact he missed out so late on the squad and then you see players like Lingard who was also in the same situation as him. I mean, he's obviously a different sort of player, but he's been given another chance. And I just think, I just think he's, yeah, he's, got he's got something to offer. It's a bit different. I mean, obviously Henderson is a is, is decent backup for Phillips and Rice, who are obviously going to be, going to be the, probably the midfield pair going forward, unless Bellingham can, can push his way in. But yeah, just, I just think he deserves at least a place in the squad, but it's not, I don't, I, I said when he got left out of the, the Euro squad, when I know people were up in arms about it, I said James Ward Prowse being in England squads, not or not being in England squad, we're not we're not winning the Euros, and it won't win us the World Cup, in my opinion. Exactly. No, no, mate. And I think I think Southgate seems to be quite aware of the balance of his squad, and I wasn't wholly surprised that JWP was was left out of that. Um, but yeah, I think I don't know. He he. If he continues to to play at the level he is, then again he may well be around it. But whether he ever becomes an England starter, I I, I think not, given the competition in that in that midfield area. So, if we now have a little look at the the West Ham City games, what yeah, what are you what are you kind of predicting here? I know we've got a few days until West Ham, then a week until City. What are your what are your thoughts before we go into these two fixtures? I think the City game is quite an easy one to predict, isn't it? <laughs> it's just a, it's going to be a long. I afternoon. mean, yeah, I, I, I've I've <laughs> I've said that we're playing City about three times, right? We're obviously going to lose yeah. that game. It's a foregone conclusion. There's not much to be said about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I think the West Ham game is a bit more. You can look at it in a bit more detail. It's obviously they're a very good side now. A bit more of a winnable game though than City. City, but. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting. I mean, we've got a wretched record against them. I mean, we've not beaten them since Pellegr- since Pellegrino was in charge in 2017, which says says a lot, really. And that was a game we even tried to balls up against 10 men. We've got pretty terrible... I mean, I've been to the London Stadium three or four times in the last few years, and it's just been terrible from the word go. There's not been much better at home against them. <laughs> but Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of concerned about this game. We just never seem to beat them, as you say. That was that, was that where Gabby Adini kind of rushes past uh, Jose Font? Is that, yeah, is that the win and then, we're going about? And then Font gave, gave away a penalty as well, and then they we had two penalties, yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. Just, I mean, just about managed to beat them. <laughs> Mate, I sometimes think back to those days and just think, thank God we've not got, you know, uh, Pellegrino in charge. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they were tough times, right? Um, no, I think I think West Ham they they seem to come out and, and be pretty attacking this season, right? And and maybe more so than you'd expect from a David Moyes side. And I mean, Antonio, Mikel Antonio, sort of rise from sort of awkward looking right back to <laughs> a probably one of one of the yeah one of the most dangerous forwards in the Premier League right now is is incredible and uh, obviously deserves quite a lot of a lot of credit for the player. I, I, you obviously never thought this would have happened even when he was on <laughs> on loan at us, um, but but he, he's just such a handful and I think he's a sort of player that will give us problems. Yeah, you sort of put him in the sort of the Samaxman mould where he just he's very quick, very powerful, and he just 
he's got a lot more end product than some maximum as well. And I just he just always seems to turn it on against us, mainly because I don't think our defenders are the sort of defenders that like playing against a player like him. Physical, quick. I mean, not very few defenders will enjoy will enjoy playing against Antonio, but he's just yeah, he's a brilliant he's a brilliant player to watch. To be fair, when when he's not playing against us, he's just very entertaining. He's like, quite good good to listen to again in interviews, and yeah, fair play to him. He's really turned into an excellent excellent forward. Yeah, I uh, yeah I I agree with that. Really likable guy. And I hope he obviously doesn't bag on Saturday, but has uh, yeah a, a good season. He started incredibly. I think fitness has seemed to be his biggest problem, right, over the last kind of 18 months or so. But when he plays, he does just at times look unplayable. And Ben Rama, for now, seems to have stepped up as well in terms of contribution. I think, I think it's going to be a tough game. I don't think it's one that we you know, can't win. But my, my kind of gut feel is that we're going to struggle to to get all three points. Given I was correct on pod one with my prediction around the upcoming game, I am going to go... I actually, I don't think I ever can predict Saints to lose. I will predict us to lose against City, obviously, and, and quite heavily. <laughs> I, I'm going to go... You know what? I'm going to go another 2-2 two, two draw. Okay, I mean, I'm, I'm going to predict us to lose. <laughs> I mean, I just look at their team and I just think from from one to eleven, it's just very, very strong. You got, I mean, the fullbacks are strong in Kufau and Cresswell. Look at the midfield. I've, usually, I look at the midfield battle, midfield pairing. I think Walpras will maybe be able to hold their own, but Suchek and Ro- I mean, I think Rice is just an outstanding footballer. I think, I think, I don't think, I don't think he'll be at West Ham for very long. I mean, I could be proven wrong, but I think, um, I think he'll be off to a top, top club very, very soon. So, yeah, I've, I'm going to go for a 3-1 defeat, unfortunately. <laughs> now you've said all that, mate, I... Yeah, I think we're going to lose. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, you, you're right. And they've obviously added... They've added some players towards the end of the window as well. Kurt Zuma's gone, um, who who I think will, yeah, improve that defence. They've also, I think, signed a, a couple of midfielders as well. Is it Vlasic and, and then one other... I think Crow, who 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 played at the Euros, um, yeah, I, I think they're just they're in a really good place as a football club right now, and I think that's rare to say about West Ham, but they uh, they they're certainly going in a good direction with with Moise and yeah, well, uh, mate, fuck what I said about the two two, we're gonna lose. So yeah, there, <laughs> there we go. I said I never predict Saints to lose in these sort of games. I always just err on the side of. Yeah, don't predict us to lose, uh, but I, I think we might. Which kind of, I think we. You mentioned on the last pod we've got City and Chelsea coming up as those two sort of big six, if you want to call it that, sides that we play in the upcoming fixtures. But if memory serves correctly, post the the, the Chelsea fixture early October, our fixtures do get a little bit softer, you know, in terms of who, who we're playing. And I think that if we look at the points we've accrued so far in the equivalent games last season we lost them all so we're two points better off than those fixtures um i personally feel like we won't have many more when we next pod in a couple of weeks time no it'd be a nice it'd be any sort of points from these games would be a nice surprise i think right then samuel we are going to do part two of our best saints 11 since our return to the top flight in 2012 listeners in as far-flung places as Hong Kong, will be eagerly anticipating us to complete this. So, yeah, let's uh, let's hit them with the good stuff. I'm going to hand over to you to give, yeah, maybe one central midfielder for me. Okay, so I've gone for a four-two-three-one because I think that's probably our, our best formation since our promotion. Mate, look at us. We are, yeah. Can tell why we're mates, eh? Tell why we get along. That I've I've done exactly the same thing. Also, I I struggle to find a second striker. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so my first midfield, I think, is actually locking for us is Morgan Schneidlin. Who I mean, he was just for probably two or three seasons, and when he when we were back up, he was just an incredible midfielder. I'm so I'm so I'm, I'm so gutted he didn't work out for United. He was such a good player for us for, for years. And, I mean, he was just perfect the way we used to play, especially under Poch and Koeman. And 
yeah, I mean, United is probably the wrong move for him, and then Everton didn't work out at all either. Just if he, if he'd gone to an Arsenal, I think when he left when he when he left us, because they were exactly the sort of player they needed. He might have gone a bit better, but no, he's just he was just a joy to watch and perfect for the pressing way we played. I don't think I'm going to get any arguments from you on on Shardling. You're not, mate. No, and I it's just like even when we dip down into into League One, right, like he would just purr against <laughs> teams that would try and rough him up. We had, you know, at the time, a, a relatively sort of slight, young French central midfielder. And he, he was just a joy. He was joy through those years and including our, our early Premier League years of kind of coming back up as well. Yeah, you're going to get no complaints from me on that front. One of those rare players that he seemed to get better as we went as we went higher up in the leagues, which is just yeah. t- testament to how good he was. Yeah. So what? Yep. Your your turn then for the second centre midfielder. I uh, I, I realised I used the phrase recency bias about ten times listening to the podcast last week, but maybe this is recency bias. But I'm going JWP. Yeah, I have as well. I mean, I was very very torn over him and Stephen Davis, but. I went, went for Prowse. I, I, I put in my notes, honorary mention to Stephen Davis, who probably for, I know everyone says no transfers free these days or whatever, but for a, a free transfer in terms of what we got from Stephen Davis was just class, wasn't he? He was so good. And I, let's not kind of talk Stephen Davis when we've chosen other players to go in this 11. JWP, yeah. I guess, fast becoming that kind of Saints legend. And I personally feel that we could actually have the best years of his career ahead of him, which is quite exciting to say when we've got a player that plays every single fucking minute for us and, and does a pretty good job. So, yeah, JWP is my is my pick in there. I'm going to move it straight back to you. Um, so, yeah, I want... I guess if you're going 4-2-3-1, I want you to give me one of those attacking players and maybe call out where you'd put them. So, you know, left side, central or right side. Okay, so I've gone for um, on to the, on the right. I mean, it may. I mean, maybe you can go elsewhere, but I'll probably go. I'll go for Dusan Tadic. Oh, you bastard! He <laughs> <laughs> was just. Such, I mean, I probably only really appreciated how good Tadic was for us when he left because we just haven't replaced him in terms of creativity. But he was. Just, he was just such a good player for us. I mean, the the partnership we had with Pella was brilliant, and I mean. The season, his last season at the club, he almost single-handedly kept this up because if we had won that game against Bournemouth, yep. that's almost, that's probably, almost pretty about my that. best memory about of that game. Thinking about the game, as you said his name as well. Does he like punt one of the finishes? I'm yeah, it's like Tope. Like, Steve, Steve Cook like fell over just because he's absolutely <laughs> useless. And then Talich is like this little, this little like a toe poke into the corner. He's just... That's probably my best memory of him, despite how good he was in the first season under Koeman. I know he scored that goal at Old Trafford for the for our first win there, and God knows how long. But um, yeah, we would we wouldn't have stayed up that season without him. He would... Yeah. Oh mate, like I think it's sort of what's the what's the slightly cringeworthy phrase about the streets won't forget, and then some player that you know was balling about five years ago. I think he will become one of those players, specifically what he did for Ajax in their run to the um, the, the yeah. semis of the Champions League. Like he, he sort of showed the world what we'd been seeing for a long time. He he was just he was so good. <laughs> I genuinely so so good. I think he would he would frustrate Saints fans and, and me included sometimes. But yeah, just his like coolness to do certain things in attacking situations is something I think we severely lack right now in terms of that patience to play the right pass to know when to shoot um, there's a goal I think it was away at West Ham that I'm, I'm I think we actually oh, won he, that, won the that little game. dropped his shoulder and yeah, Adrian just, he, yeah, he, doesn't, yeah. he doesn't actually touch the ball right or you know kind of barely yeah. touches it it's just like moments like that the, the guy was the guy was class and yeah he was Really, for me, one of the first names that I wanted to put in those those attacking positions. Um, I will move it on. So back to me, and there might be sort of a, a I don't know a riffle of booze about this choice, but I I have to go for Adam Lalana. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's in mine. He's okay, in mine. Okay, good. All right. Well, I thought I might get some shit from you for that. So yeah, left side. I'm going, or in the hole. 
depending on what you want to do with the other player that we pick in here, I'm, I have to go Adam Milana. I mean, that that season, is it 2013-14? First full yeah. season under, under uh, Poch? Just like, the guy was just so good. And again, he's someone that I, I just wanted to kick on and, and didn't really. I think I think Liverpool fans liked him and I think Brighton fans do now, but injuries have blighted his career a little bit. But he was just unreal. Bursting past players, his infamous Cruyff turn every time he got the ball. Um, yeah, there's just so much to his game. I think it's the, the Hull goal which stands out for me. Uh, yes, it was, where, it was on my on my birthday. It was just such a such a good uh, goal. It was just the whole just, the whole yeah. stadium just like gasped when he when he scored it. Just unreal. I, yeah, I just I love that goal. It sort of displays in in a goal everything that we had from Adam in in that season, and I kind of love him just for that. And I know sort of unceremonious exit from the club, but he has to go in my my eleven. Yeah, I'm sort of at the point now where I'm. Now, as I'm getting a bit older, I sort of mellow a bit more in terms of players. I don't get too worked up about players leaving. I mean, I'm, I get annoyed they've left, but I'm just I don't get as annoyed as I used to. That Do you reckon it will go though. back to you at one point in your life getting really annoyed, like we see a lot of the the Twitter yeah, maybe, uh, maybe. warriors? Mate. Yeah, <laughs> no, I like I like this mellow sound, mate. I think it's good. We, uh, <laughs> we we need more of that. I'm very similar. We move on. They've played their part, and and yeah, we'll, we'll kind of leave it at that. Um, I'm I'm coming back to you for that third attacking midfielder. Okay, so this guy's on the left for me. I mean, I'm not sure if he he was really at his best on the left for us, but he's thinking I wanted Lana on the in the middle and Talich on the mm-hmm. right. This was a tough one. I was I was I'm in an hour between two players because I, I absolutely I loved Jay Rodriguez when he was playing on the left yep. for us under Poch. And he when he I mean one of my least one of my least favourite moments as a Saints fan is when he got injured at Man City. Oh. Absolutely. Absolutely There's no one around him as well, was there? It was one of those moments yeah. where you know something really, really bad has happened. Yeah, but he just misses out on my team for, for Sadio Mane. Just, just. I just think, I mean, he, he, was a bit of a, he was a very streaky player with us, Mane. I mean, he, his first season was a bit stop-start and he got criticised a fair bit. But when he was on it with us, you could just see how good he was. I mean, that... I was at the Villa game that day when he scored that hat trick in just what, less than three minutes. It was just, it was just un, 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 incredible to watch. And it, and the goal, and when he came on against Liverpool in the in the three two at, at St Mary's, and yeah, he just, you could just tell he was he was. I didn't, I, I couldn't see him being as good as he has been for Liverpool, but when he was on it for us, he was he was absolutely joy to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think he he was just about sneaking in there. And to be honest with you, I think, yeah, uh, Rodriguez sort of probably doesn't quite get in there. But maybe if, you know, we, we sort of rewound this four or five years when he was properly at his pomp, we were like, we've got a hell of a player in Jay Rodriguez, right? And maybe we didn't always feel that way about Mane. <laughs> we maybe didn't appreciate him for, for what he did bring I mean he was just electric at times and those big moments as you say um, yeah Villa and um, the Liverpool game will, will just sort of be one of those probably one of those all time great Saints games the scenes of Koeman running up the line and it was just yeah. just unreal right like yeah I, th- I think Mane does does get in there and to, to our point that we touched on last week we're maybe judging these players a little bit on the players they've become Maybe not in all cases, but Mane uh, adds to that idea in that probably 18 months ago, he's one of the best players in Europe. I know he's gone off the ball a little bit, but seems pretty sharp coming into this season. Yeah, I think he's just been a hell of a signing. Similar to Diogo Jota in some ways. Maybe I didn't quite appreciate what he kind of added when he was at Wolves, but uh, mm. I think he's, yeah, kind of, they've obviously got a, a, a very good um, rate of picking up players like that and, and making them better. So, up top, you've actually mentioned his name. Oh, I, this is the thing. I, so, if it was... You've mentioned his name, I may have given this away. <laughs> uh, if, if it was sort of Saints legend 11 and sort of what he did in the years preceding us getting to the Premier League, there's no doubt who this is, right? It's Ricky Lambert. Yes. But yes. maybe I'm looking at this through rose-tinted glasses a little bit, but I have gone... And I say that because we're just speaking about the Liverpool game. So I think you know who I'm going to pick here. And his link up with Tadic, I just think we, we could have a hell of a lineup, right? Maybe I'm putting this team into some sort of simulation where we can 
see them in action. But yeah, it's Graziano Pella for me. Okay, what? Not who I picked. Not who. <laughs> I'm gonna pick. I mean, I've we've already, I've already picked Van Dijk. I've already picked Lallana. So I might as well make myself even more unpopular. And pick. I've I've picked Danny Ings. Oh. I just think, in terms of how good he was, the fact how good he was when he's with us, it's very rare the fact that we ever get one of the best strikers in the Premier League is playing for our team. That very rarely happens. And for, I mean, for a season and a half, he was easily one of the best strikers in the Premier League and we wouldn't have stayed up without him. And I think that was probably why I picked him. And the two goals of Fratton Park definitely, definitely helped that case. You know what? I just, I just sort of ignored him because he's literally just left. And you know, yeah. maybe I haven't mellowed as much as you have in, in my old age. So, uh, he, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't put him in there for that reason. He, he didn't. I, I tell you what, he, I had the blinkers on. Didn't even think of it. I think if you, <laughs> if you ask me this, uh, yeah, <laughs> May thirty first, he, uh, he, he probably becomes that. He was so good for us, though. He's, he had attributes to his game that I just think I didn't appreciate in someone like Ings, and he had a lot more to his game than than pure goal scoring. So yeah, I can see why you've picked him. Pella's just like I don't know, bit of a bit of a Saints legend, isn't he? And I'm, I'm yeah, thinking I did, about I did that. like Pella. Yeah, I'm thinking like about him. that QPR overhead kick, and I saw oh, it recently, yeah. and I thought, you know, yeah, just a bit of a legend. Also, a beautiful, beautiful man. <laughs> and I don't know where he is in the world now. Has he has he gone back to Italy or is he still in China? Is he still in China? I'm not sure actually. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise. Well, I mean, the money he was on in China wouldn't surprise me if he's still there. Yeah, ridiculous money, wasn't it? Yeah, just just a, a sexy man, good striker, big fella. I loved his I loved his attribute of like chesting players in. I've got like a bit of a real soft spot for when players pass the ball hmm. in their chest, and uh, and I think Graziano Pella fits that fits that mould I would I would say honorary mention obviously to Ricky Lambert here um, but I'm kind of thinking that didn't he's maybe the Saints legend he is due to what he did in the years preceding the Premier League right yeah it was also he obviously had brilliant moments in the Premier League with us but I think we still would have had a good team in those years without him whereas I don't think we had a good team we know, we know, our team was pretty poor when Ings was at his best and he still managed to score as many goals as he did. Yeah, yeah. And actually, to, to kind of appreciate his Aston Villa player now, but just to, you know, on, on Ings, some of the big moments he had, I'm thinking about the goal, Spurs at home. That, that oh, yeah. goal, I just, I just love that goal, right? And that, that, that kind of encapsulates how, what he could do and how technically good he is as a footballer. And he's already kind of shown it a little bit with a very sublime overhead kick for Villa. Yeah, that hurt. That hurt. Yeah, yeah. At least we're not. At least we haven't put Lovren in, mate. So that's fine. Yeah, mate. I mean, look, look. I think you've gone. You've gone for a few people that that I, I wouldn't right now, yeah. <laughs> including including Ings. Um, but I think all in all. It's been a been a good segment to do, and we'll we'll try and fit something like that into future pods where we go through our our Saints elevens of bygone eras based on some criteria. Um, but yeah, I think we've got some some good elevens there. Anything you want to add to yours? Who would you? Uh, yeah, maybe sort of a, a bonus question. Who would you have managing it? Oh, I was hoping you wouldn't ask me that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would go for Pochettino. Just over Ronald Koeman. Yeah, we're probably thinking about the manager he is now rather than what we what we had. But yeah, he um, I, I think he'd have to go Potch, wouldn't you? I still I still love Potch. <laughs> sort of honorable mention for honorable mention for Pellegrino. <laughs> yeah, God, yeah. yeah. Less less said about that. Mister Motivator Nigel Adkins, honorary honorary uh, mention to uh, to Nigel. Yeah. Of yeah, definitely. But he's only had six months in the Premier League, though, so I couldn't, I couldn't consider him. <laughs> yeah, Samuel, it's been an absolute pleasure. Anything we've missed from the um, from the agenda that you wanted to go over? No, I think we've covered it. I think we've covered the um, we've done pretty well, and uh, looking forward to hopefully at least getting a point from our next couple of games and 
I can't see it at Man City, but hopefully Saturday's a bit more positive. Yeah. And actually, um, just to kind of, you, you've reminded me of a team that is getting points right now, and that's our women's team. I will be looking to do a little bit more um, yeah, on both the women's and, and youth team setups. But our women's team won 9-0 again yesterday. So two 9-0s in a row writing the wrongs of the of the men's team. But yeah, I think the, the squad looks right for a, a league win and a very easy promotion. So I guess more to come on, on that in, in future pods because we hope to give that kind of in-depth view across the whole club as well, including getting on some, some guests, which Sam is working hard to, to line up for us. So watch this space on our content schedule coming up. But that is all from us been yeah great to chat all things saints thank you very much for listening cheers sam bye for now cheers guys